With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why is this team not good? Is, I guess that's what I'm getting at. Like, what, you know, if you look at it on paper and you say, you know, look at the guys that have performed well. Look at these, you know, look at the numbers. You go up and down the lineup. Like, the lineup, the numbers look pretty good. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Affected by Altitude. Unfortunately, morale among Rockies fandom is at an all-time low. Well, not all-time low. I guess some might say all-time if you've only been a fan of the team for the past few seasons. But the, um, the Rockies are coming off the worst month in team history. And I thought we'd start by talking about what is the best and worst moment that we've all experienced for July. Coors Hangover. Uh, Adam Peterson and Sam Bradfield, two of the editors at Purple Row, are here to talk about this. I'm Ben Kuchnergavich. Adam, Sam, talk about your moments from July. I'll, I'll go first because I feel like my, uh, my highs and lows were significant. So... Um, my wife is off school, uh, for ju- month of July. Um, and so we decided that we were all going to go ride our bikes from Sloan's Lake over to the, uh, Rockies game for a nice little afternoon matinee. Um, my parents got us tickets like in the shade on the third deck. Like, it was going to be great. Um, my son loves going to Rockies games. He loves l- looking for dinger. He loves listening to the walk-up music. Um, and we got there a little bit late. And by the time we sat down, it was four to nothing. And within a few innings, it was 12 to nothing. And uh, by the time we left, because he couldn't handle it anymore, it was 17 to one. Yes, I took a two year old to the 19 to two, the the worst loss in franchise history. I believe that was so. um, So, yeah, he did great. He did a lot better than I did. I'm going to be honest with you. But uh, but yeah, that was that was definitely a low point. Um, And I think, unfortunately, I think if I thought harder about it, I could come up with a better high point. But really just. um, you know, at one point, the the Rockies had half the hits for the National League in the uh, in the All Star game, including a Charlie Blackman home run. So that was pretty fun to watch them do that on uh, on national TV. So those are my highs and lows. And uh, yeah, this is cathartic. What about you, Sam? I, I think my. I mean, I'm I'm going to be honest. I've been a little a little out of the loop since I just moved back to Denver and due to MLB TV blackouts, haven't been able to watch all of the games, um, which is a whole other issue. But so I'm going to go with the high point for me was I went to Albuquerque two weeks ago. um, And I mean, the the isotopes lost both games, but it was super fun and I enjoyed it. And it was kind of a nice break from from the Rockies and from kind of everything. And also, like, honestly, the game on Monday this past Monday uh, against the Dodgers where they won, where just everything kind of seemed to come together. That was, that was really nice. And then I was at the game uh, on Wednesday and I don't want to necessarily say that was a low point. It was kind of a high and a low point all at once. Cause Oh my God, Herman Marquez looked 
incredible. Like, I mean, he was up against Hyunjin Ryu and was pitching toe-to-toe with him, and it was just, it was, you know, hey, Marquez is back. And so that was really cool. And then, you know, so that was a big, huge high point, and Jake McGee came in and just shut down the Dodgers. Um, Oberg was a little shaky, and then Wade Davis happened, and that was kind of between the cramps to Marquez and Wade Davis giving up back-to-back multi-jacks was not... Exactly. <laughs> That's probably, a, you know, the cherry on top of the cake that was July. Mm, um, yeah. So, I, yeah, kind of a little all over the place with that, I guess. What about you, Ben? What are, you, what are your highs and lows? So there are three really good games, I feel like, for in July for the Rockies. That was the win against the Dodgers you just mentioned, the final game in Washington where they teed off on Scherzer and then the first game in Cincinnati and I'll go with that game as my favorite because I had the privilege of being there witnessing uh, the Daniel Murphy three-run home run the David Dahl big fly Uh, that was a fun game Marcus pitched really good there as well and I'd have to say the low point was the exact moment where I saw in Wednesday's game Marquez uh, having to be helped off the field that was the point where I most wanted to tear my hair out uh during the entire month of July, I would say. Yeah, that that was definitely one of those. I mean, I was in the press box for that, and I, at that point, was able to find a seat in the box because of all the Dodgers slash Ryu media. I was in the cafeteria for a good portion of the game. Um, but Drew Creaseman and Patrick Lyons were nice enough to give me their seat for a little bit <laughs> while they recorded a podcast. So I was sitting next to Nick Groke, and it was, I think, right around the time the Granky trade went down also. So we were kind of, it was right around the end of the trade deadline. So it was like me and Groke and Thomas Harding and a couple, and just, we were all just kind of sitting in the front row and Thomas was in the second row, um, just kind of watching everything happen on Twitter. And so nobody was watching the field. Nobody saw what happened. And we just looked down and see Marquez being uh, essentially carried off the field. And so we, you know, just in agonizing pain and everybody's looking at each other going, what just happened? Who's got the replay? And like we missed the replay at that point. We were trying to figure out what was going on, you know, checking Twitter, asking the PR folks, just trying to figure out what was going on. It wasn't until um, Jake Shapiro uploaded his video where he kind of slow moded at the end that we were able to kind of figure it out. But yeah, watching the Slack room freak out about that was was oh man (laughs) i we we went we went from oh my god he tore his achilles tendon we're not going to see him for a year and a half (laughs) to maybe he's just got cramps like and it turned out the the latter was correct but there was uh yeah i I think i think i think july got to us (laughs) and made us yeah i think it was one of those it was certainly one of those it started as ah he pulled his hammy then it turned into ah crap he blew his achilles and then it turned into, okay, we're back to the hammy. Oh, it was, he shook his knee. I think he blew his ACL. <laughs> and oh, then right. went back to the Achilles and then went to the hammy. And then I finished out with, okay, he's just cramping. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was paying attention to all the trade deadline stuff going on. So I wasn't like fully glued to the TV watching the Rockies. And I just hear Drew Goodman say, I wish we could say this wasn't a live picture. And then it shows them taking uh, Marcus. Uh, and it just, it's, it was like a horrific scene. That's kind of how it was in the press box too. We were all like glued to Twitter and chatting about what was, I, like I said, I think it was right around the time that Zach Granke got traded to the Astros. So we were all talking amongst ourselves and then turn around. And the next thing we know, it, you know, Marquez is being carried off the field. <laughs> so 
At least Drew was paying attention. Good for Drew. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, so speaking of the trade deadline, the Rockies did not do a whole lot. A couple of very minor moves. I don't even think I can remember the names off the top of my head of who got moved yesterday. I know Joe Harvey, I believe, is the name of the pitcher that was acquired from the Yankees. Traded for Alfredo Garcia. Yeah. Um, uh, who went Harvey to the actually, Yankees, yeah. Those, Harvey has spent a little bit of time in the majors this year, but not a Those ton. sound like MLB The Show auto players, like to me. <laughs> but aside from that, that's really all you can say for the Rockies. There were some big moves across the rest of baseball. Uh, Granke traded to the Astros. Uh, and fortunately, unfortunately for the Rockies, they're going to have to face Granke again, it looks like, when they go to Houston. So just getting him off the D-backs isn't going to save us. But Yeah, but, but what at, least, are you, at yeah. least he gets a chance to prove to everyone in Houston that he is a really good pitcher because he gets to face us. Uh, yeah, just just one more time. Just be like, see guys, look, look how good I am. <laughs> yeah. Did you know the last the last time that Zach Granke pitched for an AL team was before Houston switched over? That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Houston was a National League team the last time that Zach Granke pitched in the American League. So were there any other takeaways for you from the trade deadline? Uh, Should the Rockies have done more? I'm, uh, I'm going to jump in as a, a qualified apologist for, for what the Rockies did. Um, I, think, I think based on the way this team performed in July, like it didn't make sense to try and buy. Um, like you, you can make an argument that they could just as easily do what the Giants did in July this coming month if they had the right reinforcements come in. Um, but like, but one, that's a huge risk. Um, that's not necessarily going to play out. Um, two, like I've been saying since March, like the the National League's crowded. Like, I th- I think it was the right play for the Rockies to say, you know what, like we shot ourselves in the foot. Like, let's look forward to twenty twenty. Um, and unfortunately, uh, that's just the way it was as far as selling. It's just like, I'm like, I I honestly don't know who they could have sold. Um, I think if, if we're looking at 2020 and 2021, um, being our actual window of contention, there's no one that they could have sold that anyone would have wanted that wouldn't also benefit the Rockies in 2020. Um, and that, Anyone, anyone who anyone else would have wanted is an important qualifier on that. Yeah, it was definitely. I'm kind of with you there. Like, who were they going to get rid of? I mean, um, there. Yeah, they're just every everybody they have is. I mean, like like Bradish said yesterday, they've got that young core, and you know, keeping them together is important at this point. And so I. I I mean, yes, they could have gotten another arm considering all of the issues that they have in, you know, especially in the starting rotation. And then as we've seen here and there, especially, you know, especially yesterday, especially recently with Wade Davis. And we have, you know, Scott Oberg, who's kind of qualified to take his spot if necessary. So, I mean, there, I mean, we could have, yeah, could have added something in the bullpen, could have started added something in the rotation, but like they're, they're in that weird spot. And and a lot of teams in the NLR of, do we buy or do we sell? We've had, you know, we've had a really great month. Can we continue this? Or we were really good until July. So, you know, if you had asked us a month ago, we, you know, we absolutely would have, absolutely would have bought something. Um, 
But now that we, you know, went six and 19 in July, what's the point? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think about players that mm -hmm. could have been sold. Um, I noticed that Rocky Gale and John Ryan Murphy, two catchers, backup catchers, were traded for cash considerations yesterday. And I thought Rockies could have done that with Ionetta, could have traded them to somebody to get some cash. And then that would, and I, the reason I would probably sell is not necessarily to get these players for a Jake McGee or a Brian Shaw or Ionetta or Daniel Murphy that could be big players next year but it would allow teams like players currently in the organization to come up like i want to see more of philip deal i want to see more of Jonathan daza i want to see more of like sam hilliard Dom nunez maybe so we can see what kind of what we might be getting for them in the years to come and that's mainly like the reason that i would have sold on some of these uh more veteran players yeah and the idea of like just getting cash back is is a you know is it something i didn't really think about i think i think that's right like one, you're not paying those guys' salaries the rest of the year. Um, or in some cases, some of the guys we might have traded, paying them next year. Uh, so, yeah, I, that that's a good point. And, and yeah, if, if we're all agreed that the ship has sailed on the 2019 playoff chances, then, then yeah, like, let's... It's it's like we used to argue all the time back when uh, when they weren't contending. It's just like, bring up the young guys and let's see what they can do. But even then, you know, looking into, you know, guys like Chris Iannetta or Daniel Murphy or even Ian Desmond, um, I mean, Iannetta has been really good to the pitchers and he's been really good at kind of training up the pitchers. And, you know, and even, you know, they talk about Desmond being a clubhouse guy and Murphy's kind of a goof, too. And I think, you know, keeping those guys around beyond their stats is important just because of, especially in this kind of a slump, the morale needs to be to be there. I mean, they uh, the Rockies didn't re-sign Gerardo Parra and they didn't re-sign Carlos Gonzalez. And we've seen Parra with Washington and he's been a spark for them. Or even Yasiel Puig. We were kind of talking about Puig yesterday. And I mean, Puig's one of those guys who's, I was talking, I think, with Drew and Patrick from BSN and we were talking about you know, Puig is great for a couple of months and then he turns into a headache. But man, when you get him at, you know, right away, he just injects something into the team and they play better because he's just that kind of guy. And I think right now having those clubhouse guys be a, be around, I mean, it's not necessarily, you know, Para and Cargo were definitely kind of happy, goofy, happy go lucky kind of guys. Whereas Ionetta isn't as much and nor is Desmond. But I think having some of those clubhouse guys and keeping them around beyond their stats is important also yeah I, I think you hit on something easy for us to just play the clubhouse guy card because it's something difficult to quantify you know when you know sam you've been in a clubhouse a few times this month and so you've gotten to see like you know how uh how it's been and you know nick groke mentioned in a chat uh recently that the mood in clubhouse is exhaustion and so you know, how would that be different, you know, if if Cargo or Paro was playing your fourth outfielder? Um, now, let me let me qualify this by saying, like, I, th I will still say that the Rockies made the right decision by by saying goodbye to Para and uh, Cargo. Uh, as much fun as they were and as much as we all love Cargo, like it is just time. But, you know, my mom, my mom is very much a baseball fan. Um, she's not. 
Um, she she couldn't tell you which version of war she prefers, but like, but she knows the game and she watches the game. She watches every game and she watches them closely. Um, and she has mentioned to me several times this month and and even earlier in the season how it just doesn't look like anyone's having fun. Um, and so she's talked. <laughs> we got into an argument the other day about like I miss Para. Like he just had fun and like it seemed like everyone was having fun. I was like, yeah, it's. Uh, you know it's even mm-hmm. more fun than having someone like easier to do when you don't have someone like Bar on your team win. Like, um, but right, and Nolan's talked about that too. You know, there's nothing more fun than winning. Um, so I think that you I mean there's something you said for that. But sorry, continue. Yeah, it, it's just it it does make you wonder. Like, um, I think the number one characteristic of this team for the first two and a half three months of the season was resilient. And I just feel like we haven't seen that. Like, I feel like, you know, July just beat beat a lot of that out of them. And, it, you know, it's what would having a lighter touch in the clubhouse have done for, for some, especially when things started to spiral. Like, I don't know. Well, and especially, like, going back to that that 19-2 to loss against the Giants, I think I, I was listening to it on the radio, I think, driving home. And I don't remember what inning it was or exactly. I think it was still when they were down, like, 17-1 to or something. And I, I think I heard Jack or Jerry mentioned that basically what happened it sounded like daniel murphy like you know tried to do something goofy um like running out to his spot or he tried to do it sounded like he tried to you know lighten the mood a little bit they were down 17 to 1 what do we what have we got to lose and it sounded like doll david doll had something to say to him or like shot him a look or something Mm -hmm. for having fun while they were down 17 to 1 and it's stuff like that that that's when you really miss you Mm -hmm. know para and cargo is like little moments like that, you know, I mean, yes, you're down 17 to one, but you know, I mean, even Mark Reynolds, when he went out on the mound, you know, he threw his first pitch and he kind of cracked a smile Mm because he knew, you know, how ridiculous it was that he was out on the mound, but just, yeah, I think little things like that. I mean, winning is fun, but at the same time, you can't sit and dwell on the fact that you're losing all the time. You gotta, you gotta find the little things to keep you going. The little, little morale things. With Para, I want to preface this by saying I am glad that Gerardo Para is not currently taking at bats away from David Dahl or Raimel Tapia. But with Para, when I saw like what he's been doing in Washington, he has reinvigorated the entire like clubhouse. Oh, absolutely. And the entire like all the fans with his baby shark walk up song. Like yeah. everybody's I saw Max Scherzer's getting into it. Like the whole stadium absolutely goes crazy for it. And I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that for the Rockies. That, that might have been the high point of uh, of July is, <laughs> is watching watching that, uh, or Reynolds taking them out. God, this month sucked. You know what? You know if if uh, Parra can get Scherzer into it, I wonder if he can get Granky into it. Uh, no, you know, Granky. Oh my that. God. I think my, my favorite, I'm going to take a slight tangent here and say, you know, the D-backs have David Peralta, who's kind of their Gerardo Parra. You know, they overlapped for like a month. I looked it up um, when he when Parra Par was in Arizona. But anyway, so Peralta is kind of their goofy clubhouse guy, just always has fun no matter what. And so uh, they did drive the bus a couple of years ago. And my favorite Zach Granke moment, because we all know how awkward and 
you know, shy and everything that Zach Granke is, he hit a double and he stood on second base and Peralta's like, drive the bus, drive the bus, doing the drive the bus symbol. And Granke kind of gives him this confused look and puts his hands up and kind of does the drive the bus. And the whole dugout was just like, yeah, that's awesome. It was so funny. There's one more note I wanted to make about when we were talking about, when I was talking about selling players like Iannetta, uh, there was some talk, I think, uh, about get, uh, moving on from Bud Black. And that's something I think would be a really bad idea, uh, especially now. I think that would just completely suck all the morale out of the clubhouse. Um, it's not like you get a new manager in 2019. The Rockies have a better chance of win. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think the only thing that getting rid of Bud Black, at least in the 2019 season, the only thing that would do is just completely ruin morale in the clubhouse. Oh, absolutely. I was on the light rail back from the final Giants game, the 11-8 to loss, and I was sitting next to some guy who saw that my mom and I were wearing Rocky stuff. And he just turns west and goes, what do you bet Bud Black gets fired after this road trip? <laughs> and I was just kind of like. you met Dan the man. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But he was in like, I life. bet you Bud Black's going to be fired in two weeks. And I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they suck now and they're going to get, you know, they're, gonna, they're up against what, you know, the Yankees and the Nationals and. You know, in Cincinnati, they might do okay, but they're going to get swept by the Yankees and they're going to get swept by the Nationals and he he's going to come back and he's going to get fired. And I was like... I, I will I say I was impressed that they won three games on that road trip. Like, I mean, yeah. and that's not just, that's not being pessimistic. Because um, uh, the Nationals, like, were hot and we saw how good they were. And the Yankees have been great all year. Like, so, sorry to... I, Sorry to interrupt, but I will like. No, you're good. That was pretty much it. Um, I I think you're right. Like, I, there's there's a little cottage industry of national writers, and not like national writers like ESPN, but like you know the you know the the baseball intelligentsia kind of national writers like the Bang uh, Baseball Prospectus or whatever. And there's this little cottage industry of like uh, poking fun at the Rockies, um, and some of it's deserved. And I, and I, and we might talk about that soon. But one of the things I saw is that, you know, the Rockies are the only team in baseball who have a GM who should be a minor league coordinator and a manager who should be a pitching coach. Uh, I saw that. And yeah. and it's one of those things where it's like, like, I can't really argue with that. It, but it's part of the reason why I think that they need Bud Black. You know, I think manager does a lot, uh, a lot different things now than the manager did even 10 years ago. And I think Bud Black is fine for that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's oh, overall, like we, you know, we can talk about Bud Black here in a minute and Jeff Bridich here in a minute. Okay. So wrapping things up on the whole trade deadline, I've personally come around to the idea that what the Rockies did at the deadline was fine, but what happened was because they lost the off season. And that speaks to a lot of roster construction issues for the Rockies. And we'll talk about that after the break. View from the party deck. Welcome back. So Dan Samborski of Fangrass recently wrote an article uh, called The Rockies Are Wasting Their Stars. In which he talks about how the Rockies have a very talented team but it's also a very bad team at the same time. And this is in the sense that the Rockies have some immensely talented players, but that their roster is rather poorly constructed. One specific thing that he noted 
was that the Rockies too often are unable to find talent that's simply below average rather than sub-replacement. In the case of players like Gerardo Parra and Ian Desmond, they were not forced to keep playing those players long after it was obvious that they were non-contributors, but they did it anyway. And uh, Nick Groken, an article recently of The Athletic, recently wrote that the Rockies are more likely to subtract from their payroll rather than add in the coming season, which may be why we've seen Charlie Blackman's name floating around in trade rumors a little bit. And I would add to the, the point that you don't necessarily have to have a ton of money to make a great team because the Oakland Athletics and Tampa Bay Rays over the past few seasons have developed teams that have been close to 100 win teams. And it's possible that the Rockies have done that, could do that as well, but they just haven't seemed to be thinking quite outside the box like some other teams when it comes to approaching players to add, like the Dodgers with their addition of a player like Max Muncy and turning him into some otherworldly talent. So we're here with Nick Herzog now who's join, joining us. What do you think is going on with the way the roster is constructed for the Rockies? Uh, you know, I've, been, I, I've said a couple times this season now that well, early on in the season – that you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see the Dodgers being the the, the great team that their record was indicating early on. Um, I, I'm clearly having to eat crow on that at this point, um, and it turns out that they are a fantastic team. They're the best record in baseball um, with no signs of of slowing down. But but you know, something occurred to me in this series this week. Um, is well, I mean, this really even started in that in that series where they got beat by walk-offs by three Dodger rookies in a row. And it's that the 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 guys that kill you on the Dodgers are not the superstar players. It's all these other dudes that come out of nowhere. These rookies that they have, these guys like Max Muncie, who nobody's heard of, and then suddenly they're hitting 35 home runs. They have this way of just stockpiling talent and getting production out of the the bottom of their lineup so that when guys like Justin Turner go 0 for 4 like he he did this weekend um in in one of the games it doesn't matter to them the Rockies if one of their superstars goes 0 for 4 if Nolan Arenado goes 0 for 4 Charlie Blackman goes 0 for 3 and stories 1 for 5 or something they're losing like they they can't they can't recover from um that kind of performance and that's part of what's happened in July as we've seen you know Arenado's been way down um Blackman's uh, been down a bit. Uh, we've had a couple of, of guys like, like Ryan McMahon's had a pretty decent July, but it just hasn't been enough to compensate for not getting big time production out of the stars. And so, I, you know, I think they have some serious problems with the depth on the team. And I, I don't know exactly how you go about solving that. I don't I don't know what the difference is between the Dodgers. Why are the Dodgers getting guys from other teams that are performing? Why are they getting rookies that are stepping right in at a major league level and performing? And the Rockies have guys like Ryan Tapia who have to give chance after chance after chance to to see if they can get any, you know, squeeze any kind of production out of him. Um is this a coaching issue? Is it a, is it a scouting issue? I, I really am not sure, but I'm really frustrated by it. I think it goes back to what we talked about a few weeks ago on the podcast when we were talking about the MVP machine and uh, the, the Astros are a number one, the Dodgers are right behind them and everyone's just trying to catch up. Like the Dodgers are doing every single thing that they can to try and get everything out of these players. One, they clearly have the resources to have the, the right scouts to identify talent and the right data guys to figure out, you know, what kind of indicators to find those talented players um, 
And so they, they just have those kinds of resources that no other team has when you know you're funded by literal billionaires who are writing blank checks. But when you have, you know, the guys that they have, you know, like Andrew Friedman running the show, like they don't need to just throw a bunch of money at their problems. Like they throw a bunch of money behind the scenes and figure out who they need to get and who who's undervalued. Like the Dodgers are playing Moneyball with money, which is, you know, part of the reason why we're, we are where we are. And we're just trying to play catch up. And I think that's, I think that's really what it comes down to is just that depth and those resources. Like, and, and this, this isn't to say that the Rockies are just doomed. Um, like there's things that they can do, but they just need to start doing it. Um, Taylor McGregor in one of the games this week had a sideline report about how the Dodgers invested a lot in doing virtual reality for their hitters so that they can, you know, practice, you know, seeing pitchers ahead of time. Um, so these guys who went on the DL, like Corey Seager and Justin Turner, like they both said that it was crucial for them to kind of keep that, keep their pace up. So they didn't need as much, uh, of a learning curve to get back on track. Uh, and she ended that report by saying, you know, the Rockies are looking into it. And it's just like, well, of course the Rockies are just, just looking into it because you know, they're, they're just, they just seem to be really behind in those ways. Uh, I think, I think comparing ourselves to the Dodgers is just a recipe for sadness, at least for the next couple of years. Um, but yeah. And the problem is they're in our division. <laughs> yes. Exactly. And that's why we, we keep just hitting up against this wall every year mm-hmm. where we're, we're going against the juggernaut in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not breaking through in winning World Series yet, but it's only a matter of time. They keep doing this every year. Yeah. And like, I think, I think beginning of the season, we, there's, there's a bunch of different reports about how uh, Jeff Breidich seems just like that quote that uh, we were talking about a little bit earlier about, you know, some rival execs saying, that the Rockies didn't evaluate their offseason. They they thought they were a 91 team 91 win team building uh when they were probably overperformed. And really like you look at everything like that's that's pretty much the case, but a lot of us agreed. You know, a lot of us thought that the Dodgers were going to continue to be vulnerable like, like you just said Nick, but um but yeah, like it, there comes a point where we just have to take some honest evaluation and say like should we keep giving at bats to Gerardo Parra? Like, do we need to keep giving at bats to Ian Desmond? And the fact that Ian Desmond is doing well this season does not excuse the fact that he, uh, you know, put up very negative wars for the last two years. Yeah, but I'm I'm starting to wonder too if it's just a matter of, if it's like a a numbers game, just that the, the Dodgers can bring in so much more talent, and they can afford to 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 miss. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there, there was a, a period, what, like, I don't know, three, four years ago, something like that, where they had more money that they weren't playing on their bench than the Rockies had in their starting lineup or something like that. Uh, with Carl Crawford and Adrian Gonzalez and all those guys were just sitting on the bench. Yeah. Um, they can just keep doing that. They can just keep bringing dudes in. They can, they can sign, they can make the Ian Desmond signings. And if it doesn't work out, they just bench Ian Desmond and they bring in another guy for a similar contract. Right. But and then dude, eventually that just, yeah. Go I was going to say the difference is they they're not giving the Ian Desmond contract like so so they don't have to absorb it. Well, they've had some bad contracts too though. But that that's, we don't even notice though cuz they just right, replace right. those guys. That's what that, I guess that's what I'm getting at is like Yeah, yeah. They 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 can you know, it's like you bring in enough enough dudes eventually you get the right mix of guys. And th- that's kind of what it seems like to me. It's like we look at somebody like Max Muncy and we're like, "Wow, oh, the Dodgers are such geniuses for finding him." Were they, 
or did they just bring in, you know, have they just have they just had the money to keep bringing guys like that in and, uh, you know, to, to the point where they can find who who works? I mean, they've obviously had some good scouting and, and things, too. Um, and they have some good, you know, homegrown players, Jock Peterson and Cody Bellinger. A lot yeah. of the pitching staff for homegrown guys. So, you know, and, and then it, that again, that goes to what you're talking about with their uh, scouting and what they're doing with analytics and mm-hmm. the amount of money that they can pour into those things. So I don't know. I'm just I'm frustrated. I, I just it feels like we're it, like the, the Rockies to in order to assemble the amount of talent to compete, you know, to keep guys like Arenado and Blackman, they have to give out these big contracts to keep them here. And then they don't have any money to spend on the secondary players, which are making this team crater. That's, that's, I mean, that's kind of the article that uh, Dan's article, the, uh, the argument that Dan's article was, was making is that, you know, the stars are fine. It's the, it's, it's the rest of the team is so below average that it's holding them back. And I, I don't know, I don't know what you do about this. Um, yeah. And and some of the money that they have tied up, like, um, you know, they've taken a lot of flack, especially from Simborski. And I think in that article too, for giving a bunch of money to the bullpen guys who have, you know, all more or less busted. Like even if one of them, I feel like every guy has had at least a good run or even a good season, but they've never done it all at the same time from that super bullpen. But at the same time, you know, the Rockies lost, Half, we're going into the Super Bullpen offseason. They lost half their bullpen, um, you know, reliable guys. And it's like, well, what are they supposed to do? Like, you know, people are like, well, you can find good relievers everywhere. It's just like, well, yeah, but, you know, where? And I think that's part of what might be separating the Rockies from some other teams is uh, the Rockies didn't really have any other choice but to go out and, and throw money at the bullpen, which, like, bullpens are capricious. Like, who knows what they're going to do from year to year, but, like, they, they really didn't have any other option because they didn't have the reinforcements in the minor leagues. And frankly, if they were going to get someone from some other team, uh, <laughs> maybe it's just, maybe it's to the point where as soon as the Rockies were to inquire about someone like that, they'll be like, wait, why do you want him? Maybe we should keep him. We're going to keep him. No, no, we're not. Don't, don't. So I kind of makes me wonder if Breidich just, you know, he said something in that press conference the other day. It was kind of interesting. He, he said, I don't know something to the effect of like that. This core, the, the, there isn't a, a trade that we can make that um, will be an easy fix for for this core. That the problems go deeper or something. And he, I don't know. There, there was like a, a tenor to his comments that made me wonder if he doesn't see his moves as being the problem here. He sees players not playing up to their potential as as the actual problem. Like. Mm-hmm. I, look, I assembled, you know, it's, it's almost like, I, like he has, he had, he, he assembled the chess pieces and he's like, and now like pawns aren't moving the way that pawns are supposed to move, <laughs> you know, like he's seeing, <laughs> that um, one was supposed to move like an L is moving diagonally. <laughs> what's going on. Right. And he's like, you guys don't understand. Like I put, I put the pieces on the board in the, in the, in the correct way This should be working, but guys have been sucking and it's like, yeah, but you know, but maybe there's better predictors of who's going to, who's going to suck and who isn't. That you're not that you're not considering, um, or or it's just a matter of yeah, be, I don't know, just being able to keep amassing talent. Like you can't. I'm really starting to think in baseball, like it, it's very hard from season to season to be able to predict what your players are going to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's um, there's only like a handful of guys in the league. It seems like who you can really like count on and slot in. And so it's 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 becoming more and more about just having this like mass, this wealth of talent. 
Yeah. Especially in the bullpen. Because, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, bullpen pitchers, it's just who has any idea from year to year who's going to be good? Jeff Passon at ESPN wrote an article uh, where he quoted Jeff Lunau, uh, the GM of the Astros, who's we I think most people would agree is pretty, pretty good at what he does. <laughs> and he was quoted as saying, we are all idiots. We don't know anything. And also Passon said, uh, referring to what the Diamondbacks did at the deadline, they didn't do what they did because they were trying to zig where others zag. People who operate from the perspective that they're idiots know better than to try to be the smartest guy in the room. And I thought about Jeff Breidich's comments about how, you know, if you're not a brain surgeon, don't tell a brain surgeon how to do their job. And uh, Nick Groke in his, li- in his live chat talked about how the Rockies overvalue their own players and how the Rockies, the team was, the players were disappointed when there was nothing more done at the trade deadline. So it's interesting to see just the contrast of Jeff Breidish, who appears to, who has become kind of a polarizing figure uh, because Jake Shapiro asked him at the press conference uh, if he could elaborate on some of those comments about how beat writers are self-interested. And he didn't want to elaborate on those comments, even (laughs) though that was an opportunity for him to do so um, straight to the face of the beat writers that he was talking about. So that's interesting. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that, perspective of like we're all idiots like if jeff lunau saying that like uh like that that should make everyone stand up and be like wait jeff lunau like got justin verlander and like with like five seconds to go before the waiver deadline two years ago and they went one of the world series and like they've consistently been one of the best teams in the league for the last four years and they just got granky like and he says that so it's like it does make you look at what does my general manager think uh and so I think, uh, I think anyone who's been watching the Rockies uh, over the last ten to fifteen years knows that they are loyal to a fault. Anyone who watched them not ship off Garrett Atkins or Brad Hop when their value was high and the team was bad, um, you know, it, it took Jeff Breidich coming in to convince uh, ownership to say, "Yeah, we got it." we got to unload this Tulowitzki contract. And because this week went so poorly, like we haven't even talked about like Troy Tulowitzki, we love you. We'll de- dedicate a podcast to you later in the season. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think the Rockies are loyal to a fault. Um, I think that there is a lot of wisdom in the old, uh, I think it was Branch Ricky or some other famous general manager who said, I'd rather trade a player a year too early than a year too late. Um, and, and the Rockies seem to be the exact inverse of that. Like that's why Ian Desmond keeps getting at bats. That's why Gerardo Paro keeps getting, keeps getting at bats. Like, um, heck that's, that's why, you know, Randall Tapia keeps getting at bats, but then, you know, they send off Mike Talkman to the Yankees because we all saw Mike Talkman. I was fully in favor of that move. Cause like, yeah, let's get a reliever because Mike Talkman is not a good baseball player. And like, lo and behold, the Yankees have the resources or the talent or, you know, whoever to be able to look and say, Hey, Mike do this or, Hey, let's, let's do this or, Hey, let's put you in this position. So you're most able to succeed because they have that kind of flexibility and the Rockies just aren't seeing that. Uh, and so and I guess, yeah, go ahead. 
No. To be fair to Breitich, um, Matt Gross, former Purple Row writer and blogger to be named later in the Tulowitzki trade, uh, <laughs> sent uh, replied to me on Twitter uh, by saying that the Rockies have had at least one of Helton, Walker, Tulo, Cargo, Holiday, and Arenado ever since Coors opened and have made it beyond Game 4 of the NLDS exactly once. Mm-hmm. And for the vast majority of that time, they've had at least two of those six players um, active at once. So being fair to Breidich, he actually made an made like the move to offload the Tula Whiskey contract and also to trade Corey Dickerson for uh, Herman Marquez and uh, Jake McGee at the time. So all this like hugging your own players, to be fair, he did make these moves um, to get to not hold on to Tula Whiskey or hold on to Dickerson. Um, mm-hmm. And I would argue that the Dickerson trade has made the Rockies much better right now. Um, so it's interesting. I don't know. Those might be more like objections to the rule. Yeah. But, yeah. I think, uh, I think Bradich is capable. I uh, like, I, I don't think his tenure has been, a, it has been a net negative, um, because of those things that you just said. And like, he was able to get the Arenado deal done. Uh, like, you know, whether Tulo or Tulo, gosh, dang it. Scott got him on the mind. Whether Arenado in two years says, you know what, you guys aren't doing enough. I'm gone. Like, Hey, at least, at least he got the deal. And we got the, um, the, uh, the security of knowing that we, we get to watch Nolan for a few more years. And so there's a lot of good things that Jeff Breidich does, but man, some of these, so it makes me think like some of the hugging your own players, like that's just an ethos. That's just pervade, you know, pervaded the, the team and management. Uh, and also just this, you know, maybe they just don't have the resources to be able to identify the talent that they need to identify. I mean, some of it could be just on the players this year, too. I, I I don't know. The more as we're talking this out and I'm thinking more about it, I mean, I was disappointed they didn't do anything in the trade deadline, too, just because I'm, you know, an eternal optimist. I want to feel like my team has a chance in any season up until the, the last pitch is thrown. Um and so I would have liked to see, you know, them them still take a run at it. They're not completely out of it. But I don't know. The, you know, the more I'm thinking about this, the more it's like, I mean, we're talking about a team that has, you know, four all-stars in its lineup. It's got some good young talent. It's got Arenado and Blackman, you know, two perennial MVP candidates. It's got Story, who's going to be in the MVP conversation this year. You know, one of the real, like, bright stars at shortstop in the league. Um and they had two Cy Young candidates last year that are both young pitchers. Obviously, they've had struggles this year. Gray's, you know, Gray has bounced back and kind of taken Freeland's spot a little bit this year. So, what, why is this team not good? Is I guess is what I'm getting at. Like, what you know, if you look at it on paper and you say, you know, look at the guys that have performed well. Look at these, you know, look at the numbers. You go up and down the lineup. Like the lineup, the numbers look pretty good. Um, the pitching has been a train wreck, but the pitching was good for two years in a row. Like how would Breidich have foreseen Freeland, you know, not even being a major league pitcher this year after the season that he had last year? How can you predict something like that? Or Tyler Anderson completely losing it and like then getting injured and being gone. Like there are a lot of things that's like (laughs) Wade Davis being completely unplayable at Coors Field. Right. Like. He's not wrong to say that there is that really strong core there. Like I, the one through four in the lineup, Blackman, Story, Arenado, Dahl. I mean, that can go toe to toe with anybody. I think I remember when I was in Cincinnati, they were when they were about to 
uh, bat for the first time in the order. Like all four of them were out there. I'm like, wow, look at the, look at these strong, my strong adult sons out there. They're gonna <laughs> they're gonna be great. Um, but in them and then Oberg in the bullpen and your starters of Freeland. It's kind of a wild card right now, but I still think he's a really strong thing to build your team on. Gray and Marquez. I mean, that's that's a really strong core to have. And I think it's also hard to like. We always have to come back. Like, we're not the Rockets are going to get pitchers who other people want in free agency without overpaying for them. Uh, and so, like, they've got to get creative and make those Herman Marquez trades to get, to get trade for guys and trade out of depth. Now, they don't have the depth that they had a couple years ago uh, to be able to trade and say, like, you know, to get a Wade Miley, a Wade Miley equivalent. Um, or you know something like that. Someone who slots in as an ideal three-fourth starter um, to kind of like, yeah, he'll have he'll carry a four, four-five ERA all year, but like that's you know exactly what you're going to get from him. So uh, there are so many challenges that come to Coors Field, and like I, I know that people like Dan uh, are Dan Zimborski are the guys who say like the Rockies need to be more creative, and they seem to be being less creative than the rest of the league, and like. You know, to a certain extent, I think that's a fair criticism. Yeah, I agree with that. I and I, I wonder too if the the balls being different this year has had a bigger Im- impact on the Rockies than maybe other teams. It's just been so bizarre uh, how the ball is flying in this place this year. Um, and there was that stretch, you know, early in July where they were, you know, losing those like fourteen to thirteen games. You kind of wonder, you know, ha- under normal conditions, may- maybe th- I don't know, I, like. It, it just, I think it really seems to have shaken this pitching staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, a young pitching staff has started giving up, you know, crazy runs at home. Obviously, Wade Davis can't handle this. Right. Um, this is 11 ERA at Coors Field he has right now. And he has a very uh, nice and it, it's just, and it's, ERA on the road, I think. Yeah, on the so. road. Right, just crazy. Right. So, just yeah, it just makes me wonder if there's just been a combination of factors here that have been kind of a perfect storm for the Rockies and, and combined with some bad luck and combined with some roster construction issues um, that, yeah, I've just, I've really taken a team that has, I mean, I don't think, and, and, you know, even the, the lowest predictions this year were, what did you, Ben, you had the, probably the lowest win total for them, right? At 82. I mean, we all saw them as at least a 500 team, mm-hmm. slightly True. above 500 team. Right. Like, and I, I don't, I think that was, that was pretty much conventional wisdom around baseball too. But, uh, you know, now it's looking like they're a bottom five team. And I, I yeah, well, and one of, it just seems like a lot of things have had to have gone wrong for that to happen. Yeah. You know, Not, a lot of underperformance and other things yeah. too. The worst July of a team with a winning record going into the month since 1880. Yeah. That's, that's something that you wow. don't account for. Um, yeah. I, that's a great stat, Adam. It kind of made my day, actually. I was I'm feeling very down today. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was a gem. Uh, I can't take credit for that. It's uh, stats by stats <laughs> or something like that. Tweeted that out this morning. I think I think the question comes. I think you're right. There's so many things that just sank this team that some are completely outside their control, and some that are within their control. But I think the real question is, like, how's the team going to react? Is management are it? Is Jeff Breidich going to look and say, man, some of these things were out of whack. It's not going to go like that next year. Or are they going to say, shoot, some of these things were out of whack. 
let's look at all these things that happen and like what things were out of our control, what things were in our control and what do we need to change to, to be better. Um, and I think a lot of people around Rocky's fandom and, um, you know, judging by, you know, what we're hearing from some of the beat writers and some of the rival execs, like, uh, there's just not a lot of trust that the Rockies are going to do that, that that's, they're going to use this as an opportunity for honest self-evaluation. Um, and I hope I'm wrong with that. Like I, like, I'm not that pessimistic. I, I don't think this many things can go wrong without a team taking a good hard look in the mirror. And I thought Jeff Bradich did a good job actually owning the fact like, yeah, we didn't do enough. And like, yeah, this team hasn't been good. And yeah, some of this is on me. You're right. There's that sense of like, oh, I put the chess pieces here and they just didn't move in the right direction. But there's also like, you know, he did own it where he had to own it. And so. So let me ask you guys, what, what do you think? You know, so we're all saying like, oh, we don't think the Rockies are going to be self-aware enough to, to really be proactive and take steps to fix this. Uh, what should they be doing? I mean, should they, should, you know, should they just be selling? You know, where, I mean, we're talking about their lack of depth in the farm system now. Where, where do they get that depth from? Right. They're not going to get it just drafting in, you know, 15th every year or whatever. Um, you know, are we talking about breaking this team up in order to get that depth? Are we saying, you know, moving a major piece? Like, like should Blackman have been traded? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm not, I'm not seeing the clear path forward i wonder if you guys have any ideas um yeah i'm i'm still here um (laughs) no you guys are having a great conversation um but yeah moving forward i mean i don't know i I think i'm kind of with you nick like there's not really a clear path to to doing much i mean they could they could sell off a major piece i think blackman is the one that everybody's talking about right now. But I mean, it, it depends on, you know, how, I, I think it depends on how much of the contract they're willing to eat and what kind of prospects they're looking for. I mean, look how long it took the, the diamondbacks to trade Granky. So, but counterpoint, look what they got for Granky. Like that was, that was a, that was a yes. pretty good haul. It was a good haul. I mean, they got four of the Astros top 25 prospects. Um, <laughs> so, which would be, you know, uh, some of those guys, I, f- I feel like uh, some of their lower guys would be top 10 prospects in a lot of other systems too. So, Yeah, so that was why it was disappointing for me to see Groke write about how they're more likely to subtract rather than to add. And that would, uh, because I fully believe the Rockies can compete in 2020. Yes, yes. But especially if things are just going to continue to run the way they've been run over the past few off seasons, then they're not going to do themselves any favors. And it's not like we're asking them to blow up the team. I'm, I'm, I'm explicitly you know, asking rid- them to not to personally. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I mean, you know, get rid of Blackman. I mean, maybe try to, I mean, the Ian Desmond contract would be more difficult, but I mean, even looking at, you know, Ryan McMahon, as much as I, I love Ryan McMahon. I mean, he might, at, I mean, he's developing into a decent, you know, decent second baseman but i mean i think you know looking at pieces like arnado and looking at pieces like story is not going to happen looking at gray who i know was kind of subject to some trade talks this this trade deadline season um you know you don't have to get rid of all of Mm -hmm. them you might just have to get rid of one of them and then it's just kind of a matter of which one is the most expendable that could get you the best haul Mm. 
And I fully believe Brendan Rodgers. I know what we saw from him. It wasn't the greatest at times, but I really think that's due to injury. And I, I think agree. he's going to be another big core to this lineup next year. Yeah, and we, we've talked about, you know, is it time to to take, well, you know, or is, is it even time to take a look at Brendan Rodgers and say, do we really need him? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one thing I would say in favor of keeping a guy like Ryan McMahon is I think to Simborski's point, the Rockies need to do better about saying, okay, these are the players that we have who are um, good, not great, or or below average without being low replacement. And I think like having those guys who are not net negatives in your in your lineup, like a Ryan McMahon, is beneficial to have. Well, or even you know we talked a little earlier about clubhouse guys and stuff like that and how the Rockies don't really have any goofy guys. And I don't know why in the world I totally forgot about Ryan McMahon. Oh my God. He's such a goof. He's always smiling. I mean, even I, you know, I asked him a couple of tough questions a few weeks ago when he was still splitting with Brendan Rogers and he was just like, yeah, I mean, he, he was kind of like, man, it's hard. And this is, you know, it's tricky to it's, it's different playing second base, but man, he still had a smile on his mm. face. And he's just, you know, a happy, happy guy. So that, that could be another, you know, favor of keeping yeah. him. <laughs> but yeah, to answer your question, Nick, like I, I think <laughs> I think a path forward is um is taking an honest look at what what their situation I think it just needs to start. Like I I am not in a position where I think I could propose certain things out there because there's also, you know, from Nick Groke's chat, like there's, there's this sense around baseball that, you know, maybe the Rockies aren't the best to trade with, like they're not the easiest to trade with. And so like, maybe that needs to be self-evaluated as well. Like, so uh, like all that's to say is like, I just don't know all these other factors around the Rockies that would lead to them being able to, or being unable to build up uh, a roster and, and, and get better. Because I think they're going to have to deal with other teams, but it's like it's going to come back to them, like taking that honest look in the mirror, um, and and that's kind of a cop out answer. I'll, I'll I'll own that, but that's kind of where I, I am right now. No, and I think that that's probably the smart answer is that there's there's a lot of little nuanced things that need to to improve. I mean, uh, you know, they've done a, a good job of assembling some talent here. I think we're talking you know, at the edges, it's, it's like, why, you know, why is this, why is this group of talented players not performing? And that's not as easy as just, Oh, our team sucks and we need more talent. <laughs> that's not the problem here. Really. It's, it's how do we maximize the talent we have or build around the talent we have? And that's a, I don't know. That's a sticky problem. Um, and it is, I don't know, maybe, maybe we are going to need another couple of years of just seeing these guys play it out and just see, see what the, you know, the more or less the, the current roster can do. Um, you know, we did get two playoff runs in a row. I, I do expect them to bounce back this year. Uh, a tad, I don't, you know, I, I'm not going to entertain hopes of a playoff run at this point. Um, but I don't, I don't think we're going to see them yeah. finish last. And I also want to say too, like I, there's this, I feel like there's this sense in, you know, that baseball intelligentsia that's like you either need to be great or you need to be crap and deal with being crap. And I think with the second wild card, um, even the, even though it's a crap shoot, like it is a roll of the dice, it's a flip of the coin to go into that wild card game. There is value in making it to the wild card game 
Um, and so being a team that is, you know, a true talent, 82, 84 win team, you know, and hoping to get hot at the right time and add some wins where you aren't expected to get the wins and, you know, force your way into the playoffs, which frankly, that's kind of where the Rockies were, you know, the last two years when they made it into the playoffs. I think there's value in that because we have seen teams go from the wildcard game to the world series. Um, not in the past couple of years because it's been dominated by, you know, these excellent teams with the, uh, the Red Sox, uh, and the, and the Dodgers and the, uh, Astros. And it doesn't seem like that's going to change this year, but at the same time, like you, you never know, like, uh, you know, five game series, a seven game series, a lot can happen. So if you can get there, there's a lot of value in that. And so that's why I don't want the team to tear down. I, I think there is value in being an, like being a true talent, like mid eighties win team, and then trying to catch lightning in a bottle. Yeah, I mean it's 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 way you know there's any kind of talk about trading any of these core pieces. I mean Arenado or Story or anything like that is mm-hmm. ludicrous in my opinion. That's not what we're dealing Zimorski, with here. He made a chart where he added up just how a sub replacement the sub replacement players in each team has been in 2017 to 2019. Bottom five: the Tigers, the Giants, the Marlins, the Rockies, God. and the Orioles are last. And there's you're just not going to let your most successful core have the most success when you're just building it with this depth that's just the worst kind of kind of depth it's not even slightly below average it's the worst depth it's not like the other was that chart from this year it's 2017 to 2019 so three years see i mean guys like ian desmond are are a lot Mm -hmm. of that the problem there because they you're expecting them him specifically I'll, i'll identify him specifically you're expecting him to be one of your better players when you make that signing and then so then for him to be one of the worst players in baseball, that swing is really difficult. And I, I think that to chart, recover from, you know, one of those things, one of those teams is not like the other. One of those things just doesn't belong. Those are four last place teams. Rockies made the playoffs the last two years. Uh, and so that just goes to show you that like, that's how good this core is. So there's something there and they need to do something with that. Something that is there. Uh, and how they do the rest of that. Like, I don't know, but, um, but I, it, Samborski's right. That's something that needs to change. And I don't know how they change that, but if they can change that, like, I think, I think we are dealing with a very different kind of Rockies team. That was some really great conversation, wasn't it? Yes. I think we really provided a kind of a nuanced look at all the kind of difficult to put into words uh, things going on with the Rockies right now. Yeah, definitely. So we'll see what they do looking ahead. And speaking of looking ahead, um, coming up, they have the Rockies have a three-game series against the Giants, August 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, off day Monday. Then two against Houston and four against San Diego, all on the road. Then they come home for three against the D-backs and then three against the Marlins. So all of those are on ATT, Sportsnet, and 850 KOA. So tune in for any of those. And August 4 against the Giants is Kyle Freeland bobblehead day, and it sounds like he is scheduled to make that start. And Star Wars Day on August 3rd, so that's exciting. Bring your best Star Wars stuff. Expect to see everybody there. All right. Well, for both of us, for all of us, I should say, at Purple Row, this has been episode eight of Affected by Altitude. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you.